0: Good morning, and welcome to WSAU Feedback. I'm Meg Ellison. Thanks for joining me this morning. I understand Chris did a fantastic job uh, subbing for me while I was out. I appreciate all the, the well wishes with regard to the passing of my mom. Thank you very much. It was a wonderful memorial service that we had. Uh, my family and uh, my very large extended family had. Uh, for my mom this past weekend and uh, so glad to leave the uh, state of Minnesota behind and back here in Wisconsin bright and early this morning Uh, my guest is joining me via phone State Senator Pat Teston is on the line good morning Senator Teston how are you
1: I'm doing well Megan sorry to hear about the passing of your mom
0: thank you very much yes it was uh, somewhat unexpected but uh, we have a lot of good memories, and and uh, we'll always hold on to all of that. And my brother and my sister and I are, thankfully, we still have each other. Well, we're we're orphans now, but uh, we at least can can hang on to each other for for the mean in the meantime. Um, but so, t- Pat, I wanted to talk this morning about well, there's all uh, you know, name the topic, but let's start uh, by discussing. Uh, Governor Evers' ridiculous, I don't know, crazy, wild-eyed budget proposal and uh, your, I guess, initially your reaction to it.
1: Well, just like uh, your previous desperate, Healy from the Guyver Institute, had talked about the budget. I mean, Governor Evers' proposed budget is an absolute train wreck that not even Pete Buttigieg could fix if he was hands on the ground But this is really problematic, I mean, because what Governor Evers has proposed is more money, more government, more welfare, plain and simple. You know, Brett talked about the overall numbers. I mean, nearly $104 billion over the course of the next biennium. That's nearly a 17.5% increase in funding for the state of Wisconsin. It is unsustainable. In fact, if this governor's budget were to be approved and signed into law today, he would take a nearly $7 billion surplus and turn it into a $3 billion deficit by fiscal year 27. It's unsustainable. And that's why, for those of us in the legislature and my colleagues on the finance committee, we're essentially going to take his budget, throw it into the trash, and uh, build off base and make sure that we have a responsible budget that uh, manages our state finances in a fiscally responsible manner and hopefully provide significant tax cuts for those who have really been. Um, Feeling the pressure of 40-year high inflation, and makes key investments without putting the state's checkbook in the red by the second uh, year of the biennium, which under this uh, governor's budget would do just that.
0: Well, and I, you know, I Brett and I talked about this, but I mean, I want to reiterate it for those that missed it: is the uh, the the sch- one of the Democrats' schemes is to include all this climate change garbage in. A, a, in, in the budget and, and I mean it's essentially a, a way to punish the citizens here in Wisconsin by I mean if you if you look what's happening and what's actually going to be signed into law in Minnesota banning gas powered appliances banning gas powered vehicles ban, banning gas powered lawnmowers I mean I don't know how I don't know. Is it going to be just a free for all in Minnesota? I mean, we don't want that here in Wisconsin, and that that uh, concerns me. That it it seems to be the the agenda of every Democrat. That it, every Democrat governor is to try to impose this climate change garbage on the citizens.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's completely devoid of reality and. That's why we're going to do our best. Like I've been telling Republican parties as I've been going through, throughout the 24th Senate district is that, look, we are going to do our very best to play the best defense. In fact, I have joked that we are going to be like the 1985 uh, Chicago Bears defense. Nothing is going to get past us. We're going to hold, hold the line and ensure that the state doesn't backslide because, I mean, just on its face value alone, we cannot afford what the governor has proposed. And quite frankly, there is a laundry list of liberal liberal proposals within this budget that, quite frankly, it is, again, devoid of reality. I mean, just taking a look at some of them, you know, the governor wants to get rid of prevailing wage and right to work in Act 10. He also has provisions in here that would have automatic voter registration for all Wisconsinites, which, you know, is deeply concerning. Um, driver's license for illegal aliens. He wants to give free uh, school lunches, breakfast and lunch, regardless of income in need, and one of the biggest areas of concern that I have is that this governor continues and wants to expand welfare here in the state of Wisconsin. Now he didn't really touch on this much within his budget address, but again, the governor is trying to expand Medicaid here in the state of Wisconsin. And despite the fact that he's been able to expand um, the uh, Medicare here in the or uh, Medicaid here in the state by over forty percent because of the the uh, federal health pandemic and health emergency, at a time when employers are dying on the vine for workers, this governor remains beholden to expand welfare programs here in the state. So, for instance, if we were to expand Medicaid, as the governor has proposed, and raise the eligibility to 138% of the federal poverty level, this would target nearly 90,000 individuals in the state who would qualify. But what Governor Evers does not tell you, and he will never tell you in the public, is that half of these individuals already have private insurance or would qualify for the highly subsidized health care plans on the Affordable Care Act exchanges. And so what concerns me with that specific proposal is at a time when our Medicaid budget already has a $500 million lapse and a cost to continue, which is going to chew up a significant portion of the actual available surplus, which is actually more like a $2 billion surplus, not a $7 billion surplus when you take out one-time money, and cost to continue for various programs we, we can't afford it and when medicaid reimbursements are as low as it is already i don't know why we would have such a massive cost shift to take people who have private insurance and put them on government-run health care it makes no sense whatsoever
0: you know pat i what i can't get over is is that that we're already taxpayers are already paying for children to eat breakfast I mean, I we never had. I went to public schools, K through eight. We never. Uh, my parents were responsible for to feed me, and if if I didn't if I didn't take the time to eat breakfast in the morning, well, I guess I was just going to be a little bit hungry until lunch. But I can't believe. Well, I guess I can believe that Democrats are proposing that it's just a free for all, and whether or not children qualify for a free breakfast or a free lunch everybody gets everybody gets to eat and to me it seems as if that's that's a very clever way of controlling what wisconsin school children eat
1: well not only that it's an it's abuse of what these programs were actually intended and created for in the first place which was to provide a hand up not a handout right these are supposed to be safety nets to help people bounce back on their feet. They're not supposed to be hammocks. And unfortunately, that's what we're seeing with this with this governor's administration is that they want government to be in every facet of everyone's lives to take care of you from the cradle to the grave. Meanwhile, we're working on proposals right now that would essentially be welfare reform uh, legislation that would encourage um not only our state agencies but as well as individuals that if you're an able-bodied adult with no dependents you have two requirements to do if you want to continue receiving benefits look for work and pass a drug test on top of that as the federal health emergency begins to wind down uh, by april we need to start identifying these individuals who have been on the enhanced benefits from the federal waivers as it relates to medicaid and start identifying those people so when that deadline comes and health emergency passes we're getting people who no longer need to be on these programs off. And so we can get them back into gainful employment because again, everywhere you go in the state of Wisconsin, the number one issue I hear from is that we do not have enough workers to fill the jobs that are available. And so if we aren't doing what we can to shift people from government reliance to self-sufficiency and independence, we are going to be in a world of hurt. And that's what we are going to continue to push in the legislature. Now, I understand that, the governor may have different viewpoints and will probably likely veto those bills but we think it's important to send a strong message that here in Wisconsin we value hard work and self re- self-reliance
0: well and just something you said about a hand up versus a handout and of course we are compassionate conservatives and i strongly agree with that that for a, a short amount of time we should have as you said a safety net as opposed to a hammock and what I am concerned about is that, in addition to this insane budget proposal by Tony Evers, really what what they're counting on also, and and this is how I'll cleverly transition to our next topic, which is the state supreme court race. That's incidentally in twenty eight days, which is terrifying in and of itself. But you you talked about the uh, wel- the welfare program here in Wisconsin and the potential if the left takes over Wisconsin State Supreme Court the work requirements for welfare may come to an end and that again will cause additional employment problems or I should say employer problems in, in finding people to work in finding even able-bodied people to work if they're not required to do so in order to receive welfare benefits.
1: Well that's just it and that's why in 28 days we need people to get out there and vote for Justice Daniel Kelly to get back on the Supreme Court because if Janet Protasiewicz gets on the bench, it is going to open up Pandora's box because she is not running as a judge. She is in this race to be a super legislator. Right now we have a 4-3 majority on the court with one justice, Justice Haggy Dorn, who sometimes a swing vote, and we need to have a reliable, conservative, constitutional uh, judge on the bench in Daniel Kelly. I mean, quite frankly, Meg, if we lose this race, this is what's keeping me up at night is if we lose, because everything that we have worked so hard for over the last decade will be up for grabs. Things like Act 10. uh, Brett talked about just the billions of dollars that has saved taxpayers. That's likely going to be out the window um, when you take a look at legislative maps. Now, it doesn't just impact the state of Wisconsin. This will have implications out in D.C., so for instance, if our congressional maps got overturned and we have new maps, there's a very good possibility we don't have a Congressman Derek Van Orden. There's a strong possibility we don't have a Congressman Brian Style down in the Janesville area. And if we lose two members, think about this. Kevin McCarthy more than likely loses his speakership. And if you thought Nancy Pelosi was bad a speaker, just wait until Hakeem Jeffries has the gavel. Oh. I mean, this has national implications, which is why you are seeing millions of dollars flood into the state of Wisconsin from places like New York, California, Illinois. They know what's at stake because it's not just about one race on April 4th. This has national implications, not just out in DC, but it also also has implications on how things are going to play out in 2024 when once again Wisconsin will be the political epicenter of the entire nation.
0: Well, and we I mean as you pointed out, we just have a sliver of a majority in the house and as as you also stated this this race it does it keeps me up at night too, Pat I think about all in fact I had a conversation with a good friend in Minnesota over the weekend we talked about the state of the Republican Party in Minnesota which uh, in her words is non-existent they've essentially just given up because all three branches of government in Minnesota are under control of the Democrats. I do not want another Minnesota here in Wisconsin, and that's what we are facing if we do not win this state Supreme Court race. And, and I mean, I can, we, we can all say and we can all remind everyone to get out and vote, but that's not enough. That's not enough. I know you said over the weekend you were door knocking on behalf of Justice Dan Kelly with, I, I think you said, college Republicans in where, Middleton. Is that right?
1: Yeah, so on Saturday, I uh, not that I want to be backing down to in Madison on my weekend after oh my having God. spent three days down there last week, but you know I was uh, alongside the College Republicans at UW Madison to go door to door in the liberal bastion of Dane County, and we were down to Milton, and oddly enough, there were conservatives that we talked to, and really trying to get the word out because we cannot seed any inch in any corner of the state. The fact that Dane County's turnout for the February primary was as high as it was is a true warning sign that if we're not doing everything that we can to mobilize our base and get those swing voters in every corner of the state, we are going to be in, in real trouble because the left knows that if they're able to be successful on April 4th and get Janet sort of on the bench, it's essentially game over for us. And it won't matter how, how large our majorities are because the left has learned that when they can't win at the ballot box in legislative races, then their next avenue is the courts. And you better believe that if they win on April 4th and we don't get Justice Daniel Kelly elected, there is going to be a plethora of liberal attorneys and activist attorneys in Bain and Milwaukee County looking to file suit in circuit court to challenge all this, knowing that once it makes its way up to the Supreme Court, it is baked into the cake because Janet is going around the state and telegraphing exactly how she will rule on cases, which raises a ton of judicial ethics concerns that continue to go unnoticed by the mainstream media. So we need everyone to be talking to your friends and neighbors. If you're able to go out and knock doors, knock doors for Justice Daniel Kelly. If you can donate money, donate money to Justice Daniel Kelly. If you write, want to write letters to the editor, write letters to the editor for Justice Daniel Kelly. I cannot stress this enough how important this race is. It is all hands on deck. This is a team effort. No matter what differences individuals may have had in the past, if we lose this, it is game over. We have to win on April 4th.
0: Otherwise, we're just Minnesota. That's, I mean, that's sadly what it's going to look like. And, and I mean, Pat, I'm looking at the numbers from the primary and the Democrats, their turnout was higher than the Republican turnout. 53 percent, almost 54 percent of the votes uh, were to to the Democrat candidates. Uh, the, let's let's just let's just face it. There's it's Although they claim it's a nonpartisan race, 50, almost 50, 54 percent of the votes went to the Democrat candidates. And so we have to make up at least almost 60 8,000 votes in order to prevail in this upcoming election. So it's not enough that just you vote, and I'm talking to our listeners now, it's not just one vote that we need from you. You need to get out and you need to talk to people every single day between now and April 4th. And s- step out of your comfort zone. Get, as, as uh, the new chair or new vice chair of the Dane County Republican Party said, get comfortable with being uncomfortable because isn't a little bit of uncomfortableness talking about this election much better than the pain and misery we will feel if the state supreme court goes to the left that's i guess that's my my call to action for our listeners
1: oh and, and i i want to echo that as well and you know obviously again we had another contentious primary on the conservative side for Uh, the Supreme court nomination. And as I've said to a number of groups, the harness my uh, inner Dwayne, the rock Johnson Johnson, it doesn't matter uh, whose team you're on before the February primary, because we are all on justice. uh, Dan Kelly's team right now, because the stakes are too high. They are too great. And that's why we have to do everything that we can to go out there and get his message out there because he is being outspent by an enormous amount right now from all these liberal organizations Because, again, this is not just a statewide race. This is a national race. And they realize the implications if they win, that it is, again, going to open up the floodgates to undo the conservative reforms from the Walker era that have really turned the state around, have saved the taxpayers over $22 billion since they've been enacted, whether it was Act 10, the significant tax cuts that we've done, some of the other important reforms. I mean, even just from a legislative standpoint, You know, we have passed legislative oversight bills over the last several years to put the legislature on a more equal footing with the executive branch. And I can guarantee you that if the left wins, even our ability to have sufficient oversight is going to be challenged in court. And that should concern everyone because we need to be using the legislative branch as a watchdog right now with with the Evers administration. We know what he will sign, what he won't sign because... You know, the governor spent most of his his first four years vetoing every conservative reform and piece of legislation that we sent him. So now we have to turn the tables and use our our powers and our ability to hold this administration in check. Well, again, we play that defense to ensure the state doesn't backslide under this governor's abysmal budget proposal.
0: Uh, Well, and vote as if your way of life depended on it because it does here in wisconsin and that's i mean that's the bottom line and and it's not again it's not enough just to get out and vote it's it i've had listeners call in and say i'm i'm rounding people up and and getting them to the polls whether it's early or on the day on on election day on april 4th but we have to all do our part and and uh, assemble a team of people to go along with you to vote on Election Day. Well, hey, Refrigerator Perry Teston, I'm hoping that you can <laughs> hold back uh, Governor Evers and uh, come up with a budget that's palatable to the taxpayers here in Wisconsin. Thanks for your time this morning, Senator Teston. Thanks for having me, Meg. Have a great day. We'll talk again soon. Sounds great. Thank you. Going to go to a break, rolling right into the 830 News, by the uh, followed by the second half of Feedback and your calls, 715-845-2155.